Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Lyles. You are listening to Lyles Movie Files. I'm going to talk more in depth with this later on this week with the fellas, but I wanted to talk about briefly what's been going on in the past week uh, in the wake of the George Floyd uh, murder and the peaceful protests that have followed. It's been crazy in a good way to see so many people come together and peacefully protest and and rally and call for change and it's been eye-opening to see how many entities how many organizations are responding and saying yes black lives matter and then contributing money and donating to that effort that cause it's so weird how we're like been trapped in this pandemic and then for that to happen you know mr floyd's murder and then seeing all this change come about as a 49ers fan i have been very invested kind of paying attention to this for a longer time um just in the sense of how colin kaepernick got ran out the out of the NFL basically for peacefully protesting police brutality and the consequent blackballing of cap has been infuriating to me to say the least because uh, anybody who watched cap play especially in 2012 and 2013 knows what he could do and his final year in the league when he beat out that when he beat out Blaine Gabbert, I always I, I always had this hard time not trashing Blaine Gabbert every time. I think of his name or his name gets mentioned because the the lame 49ers play-by-play announcer Ted Robinson touted the company line at the time of, oh yeah, Blaine's so much better than Cap at this moment. It's like, come on, dude. Nobody believes that Blaine Gabbert is anywhere on the same level as Cap. Uh, anyway, so it's been something to see this come about where you know like by make up those shirts that like the magneto was right from back in uh, grant morrison's x-men days and do one for cap and say cap was right uh the nfl responded that was interesting to see and i really hope that it, this leads to cap getting the getting the opportunity to be a starter because I, I don't I just I can't buy that the dude is just backup quality considering the level of some quarterbacks we've seen starting games the last few years. Anyway, um, I see a lot of efforts for people to to go. Hey, we want your voices heard. I think that's why it's been so important for me to to do files, movie files from the website to the podcast version, just to have a voice out there. You know, that represents a voice that's not always represented, you know, just in the walks of things. I mean, from the newsroom that I worked in before, um, I was fortunate enough that I wasn't the only black guy there. And that was probably my last job (laughs) where that was not the case. Um, So that's been very interesting. I worked there for 15 years and now um, I'm in the quote unquote real world. And... Yeah, so it's really cool to see people saying, hey, we do want to recognize you and, and and celebrate you guys. We're standing side by side with you. And I really hope that this isn't just a flavor of the moment fad and that some real lasting change takes part. And that we see 2020 
as he has this terrible year with this horrific pandemic that's killed people. I've lost loved ones from it, so, you know, I'm not isolated from it, but um, the, the shiny light on it is that this set up a state of events so we could shine a light on something that was a far longer lasting pandemic. This this stupid racial inequality has gone on for way too long. Hopefully this is the actual end to progress to making sure that gets wiped out um, even maybe even faster than coronavirus. That's my quick take on it right now. Um, I want to get into what you probably thought I was going to talk about right away. NXT TakeOver 2020 in your house. I love the old in your house specials. If you were a fan of the WWF back in the day, those were the cheaper brand pay-per-views. They weren't as expensive as WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and the Royal Rumble. These were the affordable ones before Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon realized we could have pay-per-views every month and people will pay for them. So in your house is cool. Um, I, yeah, I've been a long time WWF fan. So I remember the first one, second, third, and it's just like, okay, cool. This is this is fun. Uh, but how would the NXT brand work with this? Well, first off, they get the cool set with the you know the old school house. But my favorite part was they had Todd Pettengill back. And it's funny because Pettengill's been gone for a long time. And he slipped right back into that whole role. And he kind of played up the, hey, I'm really old, back in the 90s, making fun of some of the technology back in the day, like the 900 hotline. That was funny. Um, It was weird because he seemed to have so much more personality than most of the talking heads in WWE right now. And... Hopefully, they make more more of a way to bring back older people uh, from back in the day. Not so much just on a nostalgia kick, but uh, hey, you still have a worthwhile voice. And you're part of the then that we always talk about in our then now forever for the WWE promos. Anyway, was not a fan of the super long concert that followed. I don't watch these wrestling shows to watch music videos. Uh, and I really don't watch wrestling shows to watch concerts. That's lame. I think they should, if they really feel the need to do this, put them in with like a montage of all the stuff that's going to happen on the show. I don't just need to watch guys perform and scream. Yeah, it's just like, come on, get to the show. Finally get to the show. And that starts off with the six-woman tag match with Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez versus Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox. I like that they've actually built up this women's division in a way that there is a feud and there's like various feuds. Like we've got our world title feud and we've got six women here who actually have beef with each other. And it's not just a ah, let's throw them in a match. We don't have anything else to do with them. So these six actually have some issues. I almost kind of wish that Candice Ray was someone else just in a sense of like maybe this is a role for not so much Aaliyah but another one of the females on the roster where we could make a fashion with Kai Gonzalez and etc taking on random women in the division 
because I think that's a cool thing. That way we could get Candace and Mia Yim in our own separate feud. Because I think that one has the potential to be like a super death uh, feud along the lines of Io Shirai and Candice LeRae from earlier. Anyhow, this is a good match. Uh, I thought this was probably the best match that Gonzalez has had since she's been focused as Kai's Diesel. Um, I'm a huge fan of Mia Yim. Liked her back in the TNA days. And I think her persona, her presentation is just really good right now and as more things happen than I'll talk about later I'm excited about what they could do with her down the road. Shotzi Blackheart has a lot of personality and she's pretty good in, in the ring too and Tegan Knox is always good and Dakota Kai is one person on the roster I think they need to start getting behind a little bit more in terms of not being the person taking so many losses but uh, this match was good. We had some fun stuff going on. Larray and Yim broke apart from the other two, from the other four, and, and they brawled off set, leading basically to a regular tag team match. And then um, we had a little miscommunication with Kai and Raquel, and I was a little worried that they were going to start sowing the seeds for a split between them. They didn't, thankfully. And then we basically just have. Tegan hitting Dakota Kai with her shiniest wizard, getting a win. Like I said, Kai is the is one of those stars who I think needs more wins. She turned heel, and then she's kind of, if she hasn't gone 50-50 in terms of wins and losses, she's been 45-55. And I feel like she's that presence, that personality who needs more wins. She should be more of the 70-30 and when she loses now it should be oh she lost as opposed to yeah it's probably her time to lose this week so that was my only gripe about that but it was a fun match 951 kind of got in and out and did exactly what it needed to um got the fake me out crowd excited and started well next up was damian priest versus finn balor and i feel like uh NXT has a lot of guys on their roster who are proven people. Like back in the day, they always said that Sean Waltman was the prove it guy. If you couldn't have a good match with him, you didn't have any business in a higher profile position in the in the promotion, or you just didn't belong. And NXT has a bunch. Roderick Strong is probably the leading guy in that category because if you can't have a good match with him, we're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> And Finn Balor is like that too, but I think he's more of the prove it guy for the main event stars. Like, yeah, if you're going to get up to this level, you need to be able to have a good match with Finn Balor. And Damian Priest has been a guy who, just like Kai, has taken a lot of losses when he probably shouldn't. He's the big, giant kind of bully, and he's got a good moveset, but I feel like he has come up short too often against people that he should beat and maybe it's a it's more of a function of the booking because he gets positioned against guys who are higher up on the car than him where he's still kind of climbing and advancing his way up the ladder and he can't beat them yet but it's kind of a situation where he needs to beat other people so he can be seen as a legitimate threat and again there's no way 
that at this point he should beat Finn. So it's just a matter of how good can he look against Finn and will he show up for this big spotlight match? 100% did. This was exactly the kind of match that people needed to see from Priest where he could showcase all his cool moves, look good, look crisp, be able to sell for a guy who's not a towering giant like Donovan Dijakovic and show off what he could do. And his offense looked good, it looked strong, powerful, and he sold really well for all of the crazy moves like that um, ring apron fall onto the steps. That was good. I mean, it was a really good match and one where I was like, okay, you got your thing going. I am only slightly concerned that NXT doesn't quite know what they're doing with Finn Balor. Because when he came back to the brand, he wasn't the smiley, happy-go-lucky baby face. He was kind of like edgy. And then he turned full heel, attacking Johnny Gargano. And then going after Matt Riddle and just having that cocky Prince Devitt bastard persona that made me a fan of him before he came to NXT. Now it seems like they're kind of, we don't have enough faces. Let's move him back to being a face. So that started off with Imperium attacking him and now Priest going after him. And it seems like they've just switched Balor back to a face. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing so long as they keep that edge to him and not make him the smiley diesel, I'm so happy to be here guy that was on Raw, which was terrible. Anyway, this was a really good match and probably one of the better ones on the show. Next up was our North American Championship match, Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano. If I had paid attention earlier, I would have noticed that Keith was rocking trunks that said Black Lives Matter. WWE is notoriously tone deaf. They are they totally miss so many things. And I thought when everybody was doing the black square, so the blackout for Blackout Tuesday, WWE was the last group they needed to because of the close ties and association with Trump. And it would just come off really disingenuous just based off of, you know, just their history with black stars and the amount of black champions uh, in the world title level. Uh, There was an article that I thought was pretty interesting that I read right before this takeover where uh, Velveteen Dream was going to have the chance to be the second black NXT champ. It was like, gosh, it has been a long time since Big E was the champ, and that was... That wasn't a very long reign either. It wasn't like some Hulk Hogan four-year reign where it was like he just dominated everybody for a long time. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where they go with Keith Lee. Anyhow, so my thing is, yeah, WWE is super tone deaf normally, but even WWE is not tone deaf enough to have a dude who rocks a Black Lives Matter outfit lose. Even, even, even if you want to go, it's a 50-50 thing, and this is not some statement on race. The WrestleMania Booker T versus Triple H match always just kind of is like, and I know that was so long ago, but that was still like, that wasn't long enough ago that they shouldn't have realized how they should have played that. Anyway, that was then, this is now, and let's talk about forever later. Anyway, 
surprise, surprise, Johnny Gargano had a good takeover match and Keith Lee had a good takeover match. This is 20 minutes, 36 seconds, maybe a little bit longer than it should have been. Maybe it could have been like a 12 minute great match instead of 20 minutes good. But again, this is a good match. These guys, Keith Lee knows how to work around his size in the sense that he will, he doesn't carry himself like a Vader, Yokozuna style, just juggernaut who overpowers everybody all the time. He can sell and he knows how to make his opponents look credible without looking weak at the same time. In the build-up, they had Johnny do some stuff to his eyes and his fingers, which also played a part in this match too. And I thought that helped because it gave him an opening, a vulnerability to attack throughout the match, and then it kept them on a level playing field throughout. Um, Keith got the win with the spirit bomb and the big bang catastrophe. It's pretty good. I think this was clearly the first match of this series feud. And, um, yeah, they can go better. I was kind of, I mean, honestly, if, if, if Keith was wearing something else, I would have probably put the belt on Gargano because I think Keith Lee is at the point of his NXT run where he needs to be going after the world title, not holding the secondary title for months on end. I mean, honestly, he's the kind of guy you could spotlight as the, centerpiece of your promotion the guy that succeeds Adam Cole and um, puts together good matches with people has charisma I mean he in so many elements so many aspects is an ideal champ for the NXT brand and I hope they don't kind of miss the mark with Lee keeping him in this icy quote unquote uh, realm for too long which brings us now to the NXT championship match the backlot brawl between champion Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream. This is weird. They had set it up like another cinematic style presentation. Uh, they had all these cars surrounding the ring. Uh, it was on a back lot and it was set at night. So they had all these lights, but the lights were kind of set up in a way that it was kind of blinding and way too bright. So it was this weird deal where if the cameras weren't positioned at an overhead perspective, the lights kept distorting the view and it was just really messing up the visual. It didn't look good and it wasn't this, I mean, geez, that parking lot brawl they did on Nitro way back in the day was way better than this visual. So it's just kind of odd, right? So they brawled around for a while in the ring and then they went outside and this back lot, of course, you know, they couldn't really do much with it because it was just a back lot and there wasn't a lot of rooms to go into or, you know, not really anything fun to take advantage of this setting. They kind of hopped around on some cars, Ryder Strong, Bobby Fish came out, Dexter Loomis came out and then he threw them into the back of his trunk and it then drove off the whole thing is weird i'm i'm ready now for them to start explaining why loomis has this mat on for the undisputed era what why is he going after them like he hasn't said a word they need someone to explain why this is going on because it's just weird at this point and yeah like why of all the people on the roster he's deciding to help velveteen dream out so much 
It's really weird. I almost thought they were going to take this to a different direction where they're going to have Dream and Dexter start fighting because it cost them the title again. It's, it's just weird. So anyway, um, Cole manages to escape a Dream Valley driver and then the Purple Rainmaker, which is awkward because he was in a chair and then Dream hit him with the Rainmaker off the top. Uh, it, it just looked kind of weird. didn't look like something that was going to get a three count. And then Cole kind of rebounded and hit the Panama Sunrise onto a pile of chairs in an ECW-style finish. That means that Velveteen Dream doesn't get a shot at the title anymore as long as Adam Cole is a champ. And Cole goes on to survive yet another challenger. Um, I have not really enjoyed Dream's return since his injury and that seems like it was a long time ago back when wrestling still had crowds i think he's one of those guys that really needs the the genuine audience to get into his stick like he really feeds off of them they go along with what he's doing which makes me kind of wonder if he will succeed on the main roster if they don't get what he's doing like they do in nxt He's, you know, he, he does his thing. He wrestles. I like the Negan cosplay at the start. That was funny. Um, and played off the whole car lights thing. But gosh, I don't know. I, I, I still think they can do something with him, but I'm not. I think they need to kind of figure out what direction they're going to take him in. If they're going to keep having him as a kind of funny guy and Rick Rude heel guy or what. Because I, I think he's just all over the place in terms of his character and where they want to take him. And I think with this loss, maybe they move him up to the main roster. But I think another fun thing that they could do is have Dream be Adam Cole's tormentor. Like, with these kind of stipulations, I don't feel like I've ever seen in wrestling where you've seen a guy who gets, hey, you can't ever get a shot at my title so long as I'm the champ. And it's like they never then try to screw them out of that shot. Like... You know, for me, if I was Velveteen Dream, I would then go on to try to cheat in every Adam Cole title match to make to cost him the title, so I could get another shot at the belt. And I bet we're probably not going to see that, but I think that would be something really cool and fun to do. All right, so that's it. That match was probably my least favorite of the show. It's just kind of there. The visual was not good, and I need some explanation on Dexter Loomis at this point. Next up, Karrion Cross versus Tomasa Ciampa. It was weird because I had totally forgotten this match. Um, and it, it seemed like an odd place to put this, you know, after we had two back-to-back championship matches. And it, normally with the NXT TakeOver setup, they just go into a run of title matches. So it was odd to have this little interruption. Cross is a guy I first saw on impact so i haven't really followed him for a long time but he was really good and really entertaining there and i have really high hopes for him here in nxt i was excited about seeing him you know and he, he does some good work beating up the fake guys the scrubs slash jobbers and now it's time to see what he would do against a big person you know big name on the nxt brand former champ i guess the former champ right and see how he does and he killed Ciampa it was so weird it felt like watching Z-Man fighting Vader or Big Van Vader back in the Great American Bash 90 where he just had 
basically no offense he just got squashed taken out like nothing like cross basically treated Ciampa like he has every other jobber on the roster in his prelim matches so far it was almost shocking because Ciampa has I mean the dude has been featured you know so strong on this brand for so long to see him just get demolished was like whoa I almost feel like it was a waste of chopping in this spot because it wasn't necessarily a man it's really got crossover it just felt like wow okay has he entered has Ciampa entered the Tito Santana post strike force part of his career where he is going to get the next level talent over but won't be in the running for the championship anymore it felt really weird and I was surprised at how how he was just like trash like he was just a loser very interesting stuff and yeah Cross looked like a world beater to the point where I don't know who they're going to have you know give him a fight at this point maybe we do Cross versus Keith Lee uh, but yeah if, if Ciampa gets taken out like that I don't know what they're going to do and yeah it, it was it was crazy so yeah it was like five minutes and yeah i was really shocked next up nxt women's championship the main event charlotte flair versus io shirai versus rhea ripley um about midway through this match i started having wrestlemania 20 flashbacks with uh triple h and Shawn michaels and chris benoit and this triple threat where it felt like the real story was Shawn michaels and triple h and benoit just so happened to be there for the ride it felt like EO was kind of there for the ride. And the main thing that, that was the focus here was Charlotte versus Rhea. I think the commentary with Charlotte makes me very annoyed with her as an in-ring performer. Because they go, she's been in 80 championship matches. As if that's some testament to her being so great. Or instead of just like, hey, she's a favorite of the people that book the matches i think you could say that back in the days before it was just commonplace that hey this is fake and it's all scripted and whatever but trying to tout her record and title matches just makes her sound like roman reigns where yeah she gets all the opportunities because she's the favorite and charlotte's a great heel um she's she's she does a really good job of making herself annoying and i think that you know she's so physically dominant over everybody else in the roster that it kind of hurts her in that sense because it's it's this thing where oh she's so amazing she's the queen she's a goddess etc um actually i think they called uh alexa bliss the goddess but it's hard to keep track of all their a million and two nicknames for everybody but one thing that really stood out to me and i i just totally came in assuming the eo was going to take the pin she was going to take the pin for Rhea so Charlotte could complain that she never lost the title or she was just going to get beat by Charlotte. So I was looking at EO this match just remarking at how she was really trying to make herself look like or she was putting forth her best effort so she didn't look like a loser even if she lost, right? So it was one of those Steve Austin, Bret Hart, WrestleMania things. Hey, yeah, I lost the match, but I'm going to look good in defeat Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon you get it 
And she just really sees this moment like, yeah, I am going to be the star of this match. She went up to the top of the house, took a dive. It looked good. Um, And just all her moves look really good. Like she looks so small and tiny next to Charlotte. But Charlotte did a good job of selling her offense and not making it look like the height and size wasn't the end all be all like she sold the moves like ow man she's getting my knee she's getting my leg she's just like this annoying little gnat but her stuff hurts um i feel like they've tried a lot to make Rhea the superstar breakout on the women's division but i felt for a long time the eo was the real star so then it was very shocking when charlotte hit brought out a kendo stick and then put the figure eight on Rhea. And then EO hit the moonsault and actually pinned Rhea to get the title. It was totally shocking. And like I said, it felt like that that moment with WrestleMania 20 where it's like, gosh, you just know they're not going to put the belts on Benoit. It's just going to be another Shawn Michaels Triple H thing. But that was not the case here. They, they, uh, they actually put it on EO. I'm excited about this because I hated when Charlotte got the belt. I think I said this on the last recap I did, but Charlotte's one of those made women that doesn't accomplish anything coming to NXT and taking the title, beating the scrap heap of people that Shayna Baszler already beat. Now we've got a champion capable of losing to a Candice LeRae, capable of losing to Mia Yim, capable of losing to pretty much anybody, Tegan, Dakota, on the roster and it's so much better and so much cooler to me than having a dominant juggernaut who's been in a million main event matches like charlotte so now it's a wide open women's division and Rhea can get pissed off maybe they use this as the basis to turn Rhea heel and have her be upset that eo cost her the title i don't that's i mean i think they're kind of split right down the middle in terms of good face heel dynamic but maybe this is when they switch Rhea. Because I think maybe, maybe, maybe she's more of a better heel than she has a good face. We'll see. But I like this direction for the brand. And it just really kind of makes it seem like the whole Charlotte winning the NXT title after winning the Women's Royal Rumble was a big, hey, thanks for being such a great company girl, Charlotte. As you know, in the end, she didn't really do anything. Her reign was short. She had a title match against Mia Yim. She fought against Io once. And that was pretty much it. So it wasn't like some rain that really set the world on fire. Or did anything to get anybody over. It was just kind of she was there for a moment and was gone. I assume that she's going to move back over to Raw. And take the belt from Asuka. Because that's what WWE does. And call it a day. So it was weird. Just a... I don't know. I think Rhea really would have benefited from pinning Charlotte at WrestleMania and maybe losing to EO later, but whatever. That's long in the past now. I'm excited because EO is a champ, and there's so many more possibilities for that women's division, which I think really benefits from having a champ like EO as the headliner. All right, so in the whole, this was oddly a weaker takeover i mean it's just like just take a look at all the match of the year candidates that always come out of a takeover i don't think this one had that oh man this is definitely a match of the year 
I think the best match was probably the main event. Uh, next up was the Gar... No, it was, was the Priest and Balor match. Yeah. Um, I think if you like Charlotte and Io, Rhea, you definitely need to check that out. Uh, but otherwise, this was, this was like a show that you could kind of catch on recap and not really miss. I think Damian Priest really had his breakout moment. And the, the key here is where they go next. There was an interesting moment at the end of their match that, I, that cut off kind of quick that I was wondering where they were going to go with it. But they, um, like, Balor looked at Priest kind of on the side, like, huh, okay. And I've been wondering, you know, back when they were doing heel Balor, if they wouldn't create a Balor club in NXT, put a bunch of people around him so he get payback on the Undisputed Era because they screwed him out of the title. And I, you know, I always watch this stuff like, a, hey, where does this go next? And then they started shifting him more to being a face. But one of those guys that I thought would make for a perfect second or teammate, alliance faction member with Balor was Damian Priest. He's got the size, he's got the move set, and he's got that I want to be a star gimmick. And I think putting him with Prince Balor, Prince Balor, Finn Balor, whichever you want to call him, would be a good pairing. And I was kind of like, who else would I put in that? But those that he was the one guy that I definitely thought they should put next to him. I think they they work out well together. Um, so other small tidbits. I love the old '90s shoutouts with the ice cream bars, and then William Regal doing his Lord Alfred Hayes impersonation, and even Adam Cole promoting Igoro. Funny stuff. I, you know, I'm, I'm all aboard all of those nostalgia kicks because that's my sweet spot, especially with wrestling. All right, so that's it. Where would I give this show on a, on a 10 scale? Probably 7.5. I mean, you know, it's not like there's a lot of fresh content out there to watch. So I would watch it on that basis. If you're somehow strapped for time, watch the main event. Uh, it's pretty good stuff. And yeah. So like I said, I'll be back with the fellas later on this week and we're going to break down all the big stuff that's been going on with Black Lives Matter. And I'm sure that's going to be a very heated and passionate discussion. So hope you'll tune in. And for now, I'm checking out. Thank you as always for listening. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed.